Welcome to the podcast version of Police Science Doctor, the online resource bridging the gap between research and investigative practice, for police personnel who go the extra mile, for academics who want to connect better with investigative practitioners, on YouTube and on policesciencedoctor.com. Hello, hello everyone. This is Suzanne Knabunikol from Police Science Doctor. Still with a blocked nose this week, it's only temporary. At some point, it will finally be over and I'll be able to breathe and sound normally again. Anyway, welcome to Police Science Snippets. It's basically one of the ways that Police Science Doctor, as in myself, tries to bring research findings in criminology, policing, science, evidence-based policing, investigative psychology, forensic psychology, to the actual law enforcement practitioner. There is no established process of bringing those research findings to people who actually work on the front line. So that is what Police Science Doctor tries to achieve. And the police science snippets are one of the ways in which I do this. So basically, I go through research findings and try to find ones that are quite practical, applicable, that I think will be of use to some of you straight away. You guys obviously work in very, very different roles across the globe, and it's not always possible to find something that is specifically suitable for your role. However, if you keep tuned in and just review all the police science snippets I've published so far, 140 now. Um, hopefully there'll be something of there that is of particular interest to your role. If you join the police science doctor email list, which is free, you get access to all the previous snippets on PDFs. So you can just download all of them and see which ones are of use to you. There's always a link to the original research in those emails um, and on the PDFs. So you'll be able to go to the actual source of the research. Whether you can then read the whole document or not is unfortunately beyond my control. That's down to the publisher of those journals. However, I think this week, all the three snippets and all the three articles are actually open access, which means you can access the full article. Um, so to get onto the email list, just Google police science, go to my website, police science doctor and enter your details into the form that pops up or that appears at the bottom of each of the pages. So the snippets for this week are firstly, use of force simulations. Reality-based simulations test the effective use of complex combinations of use of force-related skills during dynamic encounters typically faced by officers in the field. While moderately low rates of lethal force errors were observed overall, there were significantly fewer errors in live versus video scenarios. So this study compared um, live simulation, you are in the field, people are pretending to either be baddies or not baddies, I guess, and they compared that to a video condition where people presumably are wearing um, virtual reality goggles and are doing the video simulation. So the error rate for the live simulation with actual people was just 0.81% and the video scenario error rate was five times as much, 5.92. So as they're saying, still quite low, but much higher in the video scenario option or version or condition, which means that perhaps life scenarios are still a more effective way of training. What I'd be interested in, so this is obviously the error rate in training, what I'd be interested in is to compare officers in the field. Um, you look at their use of force rates um, and in which how many cases these were appropriate or not appropriate and then try and link that back to what kind of training they had. Um, some future research idea for someone out there. The next snippet is about appearance and lineups accuracy. When the appearance of the target, so that's the perpetrator, 
changes. So, for example, they have stubble or they don't have stubble where they did have when they did have stubble whilst the witness was or the victim was actually seeing them during the crime, or maybe their hair length has changed. They are less frequently identified correctly, which makes sense. Okay, that's quite intuitive. Correct identifications were made more frequently when the targets were positioned early on rather than late in the lineup. And incorrect foil identifications were made more frequently when the targets were positioned later rather than early. So identifications are made more frequently correctly of the actual target when they're positioned when they're shown earlier on in the lineup rather than being one of the last. And incorrect foil identifications were made more frequently when the targets were positioned late rather than early. So that's the opposite. Um, so when they're trying to put someone in who's not actually the perpetrator. So the next one is about victim age and attorney. So this is about children um, having experienced child sexual abuse and to what extent and when attorneys, so there's defense attorneys, use rape myths and sexual abuse myths to try and discredit them in front of the jury. I've got an emotional reaction to, to people who do that. Uh, not only perpetrate the crime, but also who then try to, um, you know, try to destroy the the child victim, especially in in front in in the trial. But I'm not going to go into that. Um, so myths about both rape generally and child sexual abuse specifically appear with regularity in criminal trials of children who have made allegations of CSA child sexual abuse. So these myths are brought to the front by the defense attorneys. Attorneys use CSA myths, so these are disclosure myths, extent of harm, a child's positive relationship with their perpetrator and the presence of witnesses, regardless of the age of the child. However, the probability that a child would receive a rape myth consistent line of questioning increased with a child's age. So rape myths specifically are force and resistance, motives to lie, victim precipitation and character issues. So these rape myths are more frequently brought up by the defense attorney when the child is older. However, general CSA myths are brought up whatever the age of the child is. So hopefully there was something in there that was of use to you. If not, remember, there will be something in all the other previous snippets that you have access to when you su subscribe to the free police science doctor email list. So you get an access password to access the read page on the website and you can download all the snippets as um, PDFs on there. So I hope this was of use to you. And if not, there'll be something in the previous week. And until then, bye bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you found this content useful. You can get access to each episode's transcript with key learning points, timestamps and references if you get yourself onto my mailing list. Just go to the main website on policesciencedoctor.com and on the bottom of each page you will find a sign-up form for notifications of new content. Just enter your first name, your preferred email address and the type of organization you work for. You will not get any spam. This is just for me to let you know about new content and for you to get access to all the transcripts. Thank you.